Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The scriptures for this weekend speak to us about healing, both physically as well as spiritually. Now turn to the first reading. Here we have Naaman, the leper. Now this story is not necessarily a popular story in the Old Testament, but nonetheless it's rich and powerful. We find it in the second book of Kings in chapter 5. Now unfortunately for this weekend's readings, we're listening to the very end of the story. And so, what I want to do is cover the full content of the story, because it gives us some wonderful lessons of the spiritual life. Now, Naaman is the central character here in the story. He's not an Israelite. He's the commander of an army of the king of Iran, a neighboring rival country. Naaman is great and powerful, and yet he suffers from a debilitating disease, which is leprosy. Now, in a raid, he takes captive an Israeli little girl, and she becomes his slave. Now, this little girl is very sympathetic to Naaman's suffering, and she tells Naaman to contact Elisha, the famous Israelite prophet, and that Elisha can cure Naaman of his disease of leprosy. And so, Naaman gets permission from his king to go to Israel. Now, Naaman arrives in Israel, and he's standing in front of the home of Elisha. And yet, Elisha, the prophet, doesn't go out to meet Naaman. Instead, he sends a servant and tells Naaman to bathe seven times in the Jordan River, and then he'll be cured. Now, upon hearing this, Naaman is insulted. Here he is, this great general. He traveled many, many miles to meet Elisha. And yet, Elisha won't take the time to meet with him or take the time to give him the instructions. Instead, he sends a messenger. And so, Naaman is insulted by this. And Naaman sulks and sulks and starts to think how ridiculous this journey was. And even says to himself, Are the rivers of Israel any better than the rivers of my homeland? But eventually, he acquiesces and he agrees to follow Elisha's instructions. And he bathes in the Jordan seven times and is miraculously cured. Now, filled with gratitude, Naaman takes two containers full of soil from Israel so that he can worship the one true God when he goes back home. And so that basically is the synopsis of the story. And yet this story contains some very important truths about this spiritual life that we can apply in our own life. Lesson number one. Yes, Naaman is a great man. He's very influential, even feared by people. But he has a weakness, leprosy. More to it, it's so easily seen. He can't cover it up. Spiritually speaking, we may have something similar to Naaman. No matter how successful, how popular we might be, there might be something that we're suffering from. 
we say to ourselves, I just wish this would go away. You know, one of the things I love is reading biographies of famous people. You see the exact same thing in their lives. In every great person, you see or find a tragic sadness and weakness. I'll give you some examples. Abraham Lincoln, he suffered from severe depression. It started when he was a young lawyer in Illinois, and he took that depression with him to the White House when he became elected as president and suffered many, many years with that depression. Or how about Winston Churchill, the great prime minister of Britain during World War II? He suffered from stuttering. He stuttered throughout his entire life. And yet the key, it wasn't power or success or fame that led them to God. Instead, it was their weakness that led them to God. Look at St. Paul in 2 Corinthians. Here he begs God to take away his suffering. He begged God three times over and over and over again to take away his suffering. God's response, My grace is enough for you, for in weakness power reaches perfection. And so Paul writes, I willingly boast of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so that's the first lesson for us all. Don't run away from your weaknesses, because in God's providence, it is our weakness that will lead us to God. The very weakness that you want to just go away will lead you to God, so that God may strengthen you too. A second lesson that we can take from this story is this little slave girl. Now remember, in the ancient world, it was a patriarchal society. Older men were looked upon with great honor and respect. It's hard to imagine anyone lower in societal norms than the slave girl. Here we have this great general, Naaman, who not only listens to this little slave girl, but takes her advice. Now, Naaman is surrounded with powerful people, the best and the brightest, and yet he listens to this little slave girl and follows her advice. Naaman showed incredible humility and vulnerability. The key is he listened. When you're struggling physically or spiritually, we have to have the humility of Naaman to listen to those people that are giving us advice. You see this up and down sacred scripture. God chooses the weak to speak on his behalf in this world. And so it's important for us to identify those people that are speaking to us on behalf of God and be able to humbly listen to them and follow their advice. Now, Naaman comes to Israel, which is a great act of humility. And when he arrives, he is met by a skeptical king of Israel. Now, when you think about it, rightfully so should this king of Israel be skeptical. Think of it, if you are the king of Israel and you saw a great general of a rival country coming over your border, you would also be very suspicious. It would be likened to a General Patton or General MacArthur going into Canada and saying to the Canadians, you know, I just came here for the spring waters. Yeah, right. We would naturally be suspicious. We would probably think maybe he's coming to spy on us or maybe he's looking for the potential of an invasion. So naturally, the king of Israel is suspicious and he blocks Naaman from coming into the country. He tells him, no, you can't come in. A third lesson that we can take from the story, when seeking spiritual healing, sometimes we can expect opposition. 
you know, part of the tragedy of our fallen world is the road to healing can sometimes be blocked. Look at the Israelites as they're living as slaves to Egypt. It's a great example of this. You know, they are blocked physically from liberation with the Red Sea, but they're also blocked by the Pharaoh. He doesn't want them to go. And that's why they need God to intervene on their behalf. Well, there may be people or events that might block our healing. Well, Naaman perseveres. He doesn't allow the king to stop him. Well, so too must we. If we find that our path to healing is blocked, we have to persevere through that and overcome that challenge. And we can through the power of the Holy Spirit residing within us. Next, as I mentioned before, Naaman is insulted that he's met by a messenger rather than Elisha himself. And he doesn't follow the instruction because of that. He sulks. That's because of his pride. But later, he humbly submits and follows the instructions. He bathes in the Jordan seven times and is healed. That's critical. There once was a story. A person approached St. Augustine, and he was asked, Augustine, what are the three most important virtues in the spiritual life? Immediately, Augustine said, Humilitas, humilitas, humilitas. What is the greatest fundamental spiritual problem? Pride. Sin is a subset of pride. That's why pride is one of the deadliest sins. Pride means a person is now turning themselves into God. Well, if pride is the primary spiritual problem and it's the source of our spiritual suffering, what's the solution? Humility. You know, the early church fathers once said, the door to the great soul is always low. Do you want to have a great soul? Do you want to be your soul to be filled with spiritual joy? Well, humble yourself. Bow down before the Lord. Then you can pass through that low door. Naaman does just that. He humbles himself and he follows the instruction and he's cured. Now, is this the end of the story? No, not at all. Right worship is the end of the story. Yes, Naaman is cured, but it's not done. He takes the soil of Israel with him home. Now, you might say to yourself, well, that's bizarre. Why does he do that? Well, you have to understand, in the ancient world, you could worship a god only on the soil of the country in which the god is honored in. Well, Yahweh, our god, in the time of Naaman, was only honored in Israel. In Naaman's country, they didn't honor Yahweh. And so he's taken the soil home so that he can offer God right worship for the rest of his life. The goal for the spiritual life for each and every one of us is right worship. Pride is a falling away, falling away from right worship of God. That's why the church asks us to come to church every weekend to give God right worship. The goal of the spiritual life and the goal of any spiritual healing is offering God right worship. And we do that every week. See, that's why this story is so powerful. It gives us some wonderful lessons of the spiritual life. First, have the courage to identify and even admit that we have weaknesses in our life. And then be aware that God is using people to speak to us. Well, listen to them. If healing becomes difficult, persevere through it. Don't give up, just like Naaman. Practice humility that leads to the great soul. And your spiritual healing 
will lead always to right worship of God. Now notice how this story begins with weakness. How does it end? With right worship of God. That's why this is such a great story for each and every one of us in our spiritual lives. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.